everybody. It's Terry McDougal with Marketing Mambo. I am so excited to share part two of last week's episode, where once again, I've got three fantastic coaches who formerly worked in marketing or advertising. And this week, we're going to touch on a very important topic, which is why are people who work in marketing or advertising often stressed and unhappy? They're really creative fields, and they can be really fun jobs with a lot of variety, a lot of freedom, a lot of creativity, and unfortunately, also a lot of stress. What I'm hoping that you'll take away from this today is that there is a path to gracefully balance your professional success with your personal happiness. And if you're relating to being somebody who has a great job, but is feeling a lot of stress, if you'd like a little bit of relief or guidance on how you can gracefully balance your professional success with your personal happiness, please reach out to me or Dahlia, Christine, or Julie. All of us would be happy to give you a free exploratory call to discover whether coaching might help you get past feeling stuck to where you once again fall in love with your job and are moving towards your goals without stressing out. That would be great, wouldn't it? So without further ado, let the Mambo begin. Welcome to Marketing Mambo with your host, Terry McDougall. It's the fun and fast podcast where we cha-cha-chat with marketing movers and shakers from around the globe. everybody. I'm excited to bring you part two of the fascinating discussion that we had last week with Julie Breckenfelder of JB Coaching, Dahlia Hannon of Dahlia Hannon Coaching, and Christine O'Neill of Christine O'Neill Professional Coaching. As I mentioned last week, not only are all of us coaches, but all of us have worked in the marketing and advertising arenas for a mind-boggling combined 87 years. Last week, we talked about a whole host of topics related to showing up authentically, about networking. We started getting into a topic that many people within marketing and advertising struggle with every day. And that is, even though they love the creativity, the collaboration of working within marketing and advertising, it can be a very draining and stressful career to pursue. Now we're going to talk about why that is and what can be done about it. I want to welcome my guest to the second part of this conversation on this very important topic. I want to ask, it might be a little bit of a loaded question, but I think that it's something that we've all experienced and, and we've observed as coaches too. Not everybody's like this, but why do you think that there's so much stress and burnout and unhappiness within the worlds of advertising and marketing. Go ahead, Christine. Yeah, many reasons. I'll name a few and maybe some of these are more personal and others have other experience. A huge piece for me was the authenticity, feeling like I had to have another way of being in this room because of the perceptions of other people versus if I truly showed up as myself, that would have been a lot more powerful, but there was a decisioning of fear of what are people going to think or what's the client going to say. And so there's a lot of that feeling of acquiescing. Also in client service, it can be the client is paying and they need this and making decisions that you don't feel like you're in ownership of. And so 
I sense a lot of people, myself included, who want to make a transition to feel more ownership and to feel more freedom around the decisions that we make and the results of that. That is in our hands and not someone else's. I think there was another culture, especially on the agency side of the amount of hours. There is a sense of Yeah, you have to be there, even if you were kind of done for the day, that you have to be till a certain hour of day and then take my laptop home and log in at a certain hour. That was just draining and really exhausting. So that's a start. Okay, thanks, Christina. Dahlia? Yeah, yes, I am, totally. I think even though I still work in marketing and I coach, placing those boundaries on myself to say, that really can't wait till tomorrow. I don't have to work till eight o'clock every single night. I don't have to check my phone to see if there's an email. And if there is, respond at the 10 p.m. So I think a lot of that sort of feeds back. The two things that jumped into mind for me is fear, which Christine talked a little bit about that level of fear. There's also the fear that you'll lose the client, the fear that you'll lose your job, the fear that your creative director is going to throw a hissy fit and you're going to have to deal with that and then calm down your team because there's this natural tension between account and creative, fear, fear, fear. So I think it's, it's, at least in the agency world, there is a lot of fear. And since we talk a lot about making choices knowledgeably versus out of fear, you can see where that could be a problem. But I think the other thing that's a little bit of a flip side of that coin is while the teams are great, and Julie, you talked about the teams, and Christine, you talked about the teams, and I love the teams too, there can be a lack of empathy right? There is that expectation that you will work all weekend. You will work till 3 a.m. and you'll be back at 9.30 the next morning, butt in seat, ready to go and work till 3 a.m. if you need to. And so this sense of not having empathy and understanding and drawing boundaries to me is what creates this churn and burn and dissatisfaction. I was going to say, and and fear and upper management too, right? Because it starts from the top. And then it pushes down throughout the organization. I think that there's sort of a tension between what I was talking about in the beginning, wanting to be an artist, being a creative person, and also being a driven person and deciding that, okay, I'm going to use my creativity to serve business. But in some ways, that can't be pure. It's got to be focused on the business objectives. And there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to determining what you're going to do from a creative standpoint. And I think marketing and advertising, we're out on the cutting edge, right? Like we're not just doing something that's been done before. We're taking input from others and then coming up with an idea and then going and making it happen. There's a lot of talent and intelligence within marketing. It's a place where art and science come together, where analysis and intuition come together. And in many industries, there are people that are in leadership that do not understand that alchemy that happens. And they try to break it down to something that's very easy and formulaic. And it's not. If you are in marketing or advertising, and you're somebody that is looking for reassurance, which naturally you would be, you're out on the vanguard or out on the high wire, and you want somebody to be there to support you because it's a risky thing that you're doing. But it's very satisfying whenever it works out well. When people just want to criticize you, which Coming from financial services, there's a lot of left brain people that are in power there, that they're, they come from finance and accounting backgrounds and everything works out formulaically. And that is not what happens in marketing. 
we have to take a lot of information and transform it into what's the next new thing, right? How are we going to get attention? How are we going to influence within the marketplace? And there's a lot of testing and learning. And when you make a bet on something and it doesn't necessarily pay off, or even if it does pay off, but somebody just didn't like it, I don't like that headline. Okay, that might be our best performing campaign that we've ever done. But I don't like that person that you put on that brochure. You have to deal with a lot of that stuff. And it's with people that don't even understand the function. Like maybe if they went to business school, they had one marketing class. It's frustrating. Yeah, Julie. Yeah. I think that's where I circled back to the very beginning of that relationship. And it's almost a bit of education of what this actually means. And it actually doesn't matter if you don't like that, because if your target market does like it, then it's genius, right? Or, but one of the golden tools in coaching is just acknowledge and validating that. Like it makes perfect sense. That doesn't feel right there, whatever the sensation comes up because of their perspective, their belief and asking them to expand that. And that can be really scary. That can be risky and doing that with an individual that doesn't agree with you. And that can be very stressful. Going back to your question of what is this burnout and stress all about? One thing I really wanted to echo is the component of fear and the need for boundaries in the marketing world. They just don't exist. And that's really painful. That's really painful. And it doesn't serve anyone either because you're exhausting the creative geniuses. And without boundaries, you're also telling people you don't trust them. They have to get this thing done. And sometimes some of the best bonds are created by pushing back. So Terry, when you call at 4.59 on a Friday, I might tell you no. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because had that been the case, I'm sure that I would have had to have dealt with it or come up with a different solution. I mean, honestly, sometimes the things that I was asking for, I was passing along things that were requested of me. I would have had to go back and said, sorry, we can have that on Tuesday. We can't have it on Monday and whatever. But I think it does go back to that fear too. And we all know because of the type of coaching that we were trained in that Fear is the lowest level of energy. When people are fearful, they're looking at their world through a pinhole, right? Like they they can't really see anything beyond what that immediate threat is. I'm not a neuroscientist by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like the reptilian brain that is controlling what you do. It's not the higher levels. Yeah, Dahlia, I should ask you because you're the expert in this area. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. You're doing great. What do you guys think if we could sit down with CMOs or heads of agencies, what advice would you give them on how to run a department or run an agency that's more synergistic, that where there's more possibilities, where people really feel like they can bring their authentic and full selves to the job and where maybe they're not going to be working as long, but they actually get better and more creative creative results. What advice would you have for leaders about how to make that happen? Yeah. It's it's always like the first comes up is the, well, what's going on in their organization in the first place and, and where are they at? But I'm loving this concept and playing with this idea. Julie probably can relate to this, really creating people first organizations and recognizing that your people are your greatest asset truly beyond anything else. Like that is the investment and understanding the value in that. It's like uh, five dysfunctions of a team. We're looking at what's going on that's creating great success in our organization toward what we're trying to achieve. And if it's missing, let's look at the first level, which is trust. Where is trust maybe missing in this, either with yourself or your team? 
that might be causing some of that disalignment? I think the key first is looking at yourself. That's the first step is getting really clear yourself. And again, going back to who you are, what you want, are you showing up authentically? Are you giving people permission to go and experiment and risk? Like how, when people come to you, are you reacting? How are you listening? All the active listening, right? Dolly, we were talking about earlier, like all those components, I think it really starts with the leader and understanding how they show up and what kind of culture are they looking to create? And there's so much, yes, it is so all about the people. And I can just hear right now people being like, it is all about the people. That's our number one. There's so much, but there's no action to it. So like, prove it, prove it to me. Trust your people. How do you honor people's boundaries? When you offer an assignment to someone and know that you want it done a certain way, or you could do it a certain way, as long as you get to that objective, who cares if they go in the complete other direction? We all can raise our hands here and being given something and you run with it and do it. And you actually rock it, but it wasn't done the way the person wanted it. So they go and read themselves. I can already feel myself getting frustrated just talking times that happened to me. I would say look at yourself first and then start looking outward and how are you sabotaging yourself? How is the agency or the marketing department sabotaging themselves? And then what is actually working really well? And how do you grow that? Right. So sometimes we're like, oh, this is working good. So we don't have to really pay attention. That's only focused on what's not. No, that's working well. Grow it. So I like to call it like, look at the opportunities and let's look at the bright spots. But first, I truly believe it starts at yourself. Yeah. When you brought up that whole idea of focusing on your strengths rather than your weaknesses, you know, don't try to bring your weaknesses up, just focus more on your strengths. And obviously, if it's an organizational thing, you're probably going to have to look at those, but don't starve the area that's strong because you're so focused on fixing the weak thing. Because if you're focusing on the strengths, that other thing might start to fix itself. Christine, did you have something that you wanted to say? What Julie was saying before, but that really understanding of how am I leading through fear or through strength? And how am I modeling that behavior to my team? And what comes up is like the greatest leaders don't have all the answers. They ask questions. They rely on, again, right? Like they're surround themselves with people who are smarter than them. You got to be confident. And in order to do that, you have to be able to trust yourself in order to truly do that. And that way you're going to get so much more growth than if you're trying to figure it out all by yourself. Yeah, I 100% lack all of those comments. Those are all tremendous. The only thing that I could possibly add are two things. Number one, which is, Build an advisory board of people within your organization who other people see as leaders. It doesn't necessarily mean it's somebody with the largest title, but somebody that people go to and trust and can influence, not to use their influence, but to understand why they have that influence and listen to them and really be open-minded and hear what they have to say And almost take it from they can bring you what the people are saying internally and help you be a better leader as well. But there's got to be that 360 listening and there's got to be that respect for those individuals. And then the other thing is, and this is maybe not so realistic, but the organization, Terry, that we were at and, and Julie that you were subsequently at as well, provided sabbaticals once you worked there 10 years. In marketing and in advertising and agency world in general, if you can't go outside of yourself and your own work and get fresh ideas, there will be no fresh ideas. So it may not be necessarily a sabbatical, 
but literally things like field trips to museums when we can travel again, let people go who are more junior to meetings in another city to see what that's like. So it's all about experiences, not just for the creative team, because that's incredibly important because they bring the ideas, but also for your account and your strategy teams. Let them have that freedom to expand their brain, to expand their opportunities, and they're going to put it back into their job. They just are. I agree with that so much. And I know a lot of people listening to this are not going to understand the seven levels of energy that we were trained in, but fear being, okay, you're just avoiding. You're avoiding. You don't want to get involved because there's fear there. When you're rising to the level of connectedness or opportunity, we've talked about it today. You know, networking, that's about connecting, that's about possibilities. And we are surrounded by possibilities. And I think when leadership, can believe that that's possible and they can believe that by not just having the company mission and values on a poster in the break room, that they're actually living it and they're walking the talk and they're living the values and people can trust that they're going to bring their best self. They're going to take risks that may pay off in a big way. Now, sometimes there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be things that don't pay off. It's important, especially in the creative fields, to allow that to happen because we learn a lot. One of the things that I've seen, and again, I would love to get your thoughts on this, is that a lot of times I see leaders are not really leading. They do feel fearful, even if they're the head of an agency or they're the chief marketing officer, that they're fearful. They're not leading and they are jumping in and trying to micromanage or they're blaming and all of that kind of stuff. I think that as a leader and to anybody's credit, often there's no training or mentorship about what you're supposed to do when you get into a leadership position. A lot of times people just try to do what they did up until that point, but just do it more, do it harder. And a lot of the things that I've heard you talking about here, Julie, to your point of like, oh, somebody said, just go off and do this. And then you brought it back and it wasn't what they expected. Well, gosh, what would have happened if they had spent a few minutes getting clear with you on what their expectations were and having you say, this is probably the way I would approach it. Is that in line? Like 10 minutes, right? That could have been the difference between you going off, doing something that really met their expectations and also preserving your enthusiasm and energy for the job because What's worse than somebody assigning something to you, you spending a lot of time on it, and them saying, this isn't what I wanted, and I'm going to redo it. That basically just saying, you're not good enough. When it's not you, it was they actually failed you as a leader. And a lot of leaders really focus a lot on jumping in and doing the work rather than stepping back and creating an environment in which people can bring their best selves and that there can be those synergies and tapping the full potential. And that really takes a different type of approach. It does take setting up boundaries, that leader negotiating with stakeholders about what the agreements are, like how much time do you need in order to be able to deliver on something. At one point in my career, I was a production manager and we would have a timeline for the project. And a lot of times by the time that I actually got the artwork to send it out to the printer, it was past the mail date. And I'd go to the status meeting with the head of the department. And she would say to me, 
that's just not acceptable. And I would be like, I am a pretty good miracle worker. But one thing I have not figured out how to do is turn back the clock. She was abdicating her responsibility as a leader by not going back in the process and finding out why is it taking three more weeks in the marketing development and approval process than it should. Go ahead, Christine. I love that we're talking about this and making almost broad distinctions between leadership and management. But what's consistent across both is communication. For a a strong leader, so instead of posting the values on the cafeteria wall, like where are the values and the vision and the mission being communicated clearly to the team so that everyone knows what we are driving toward and that we are consistently going back and checking our decisions against that. And from a management perspective, spot on, like, Maybe this is bringing it full circle, but the greatest managers are coaches, right? Because they're not just telling this is the way that it's supposed to be. They are guiding the managee on getting better. There's this book, First Break All the Rules. I don't know if you've read it, but they define management as improving performance of the individual and then subsequently of the team. To do that, it's allowing them to understand this goes back to who they are and so that they can make decisions that are empowered and being willing to let them do that, which takes a little, I got to step back and it's not all about me, it's about them. Knowing generally the outcome that's going to feel successful, but letting them create that process and progress along the way. Yeah, respect for the individual and knowing that if you empower them, that they're going to help you reach that goal. But if you hold them back by not believing, yeah, it's it's depressing. Yeah, Julie. You're stopping someone's growth, actually. You're literally taking a gift away from them by not allowing them to even stumble. But around this topic, another concept that always comes up for me, especially in a lot of coaching calls where people are like, am I losing my passion? I'm in this leadership role and I'm not doing all the things. It's like, whoa, slowing down the speed up and slowing down is like, hey, guess what? You're in this role because you have this phenomenal background and you have this awesome foundation that you don't need to take two hours to do the thing anymore. You probably only need 15 minutes, but let the person who needs the two hours to develop, take the two hours, whatever that is. And then you get to shift, like you're slowing down so you can speed up to be more strategic and maybe not as tactical, but like literally what got you here won't get you there. Mindset shift. And and with that mindset shift is this belief in yourself that you actually have everything that you need. So you have this foundation, tap into it. Don't study it and over-prepare, tap into it. Move back to intuition and coaching in the moment, bring it up and out. It's there. You have the background, believe in your background so that you can move forward and then use and work with and grow your team. There's so much satisfaction comes out in that. A lot of people, when they get promoted, they don't mentally promote themselves. Some of it comes out of this idea that they're no better than anybody else. I don't want to make people think that I'm not going to get in the trenches with them and that kind of thing. But the reality is that if you've been promoted to a leadership role, your job is to lead. It's not to necessarily do the work. It's to make sure the work gets done. And that's going to probably require different skill sets that's going to require stepping back and saying, let me look at this whole ecosystem and what's working and what's not. And what structures do I have to build? What partnerships do I need to encourage to make sure that this works and do it on behalf of the people that are working in this area so that they can be safe to do their jobs? Dahlia, I think you had a comment. I have so many now. What's become very clear in this conversation is there are two things that are needed. Number one is to teach people how to manage. 
because there is no handbook. I'm sure there are a ton of handbooks, but we don't necessarily get taught how to do that. And number two, they all need coaches. One of the things that I've noticed a lot of times is that I'm coaching a high potential. They're not at the leadership role. They're a level below. And they start talking to me about what's going on in the organization. And I'm like, does your boss have a coach? (laughs) Because there's only so much you can do at a certain level, right? I'm helping them figure out how to influence and how to negotiate and how to put boundaries in place. But a lot of times it's at that next level up that I'm like, gosh, it's nice that they're giving this benefit to people underneath of them. But a lot of times it, it seems like it's structural, right? They need to put boundaries in place and put procedures in place that everybody understands. Everybody needs to stay in their lane. They need to have protocols for how they're going to interact. Another thing that you said that may not necessarily be ubiquitous, at least in an ad agency, is that as you get promoted to become a leader, you don't have to do the work. That is not the case. And so there becomes this, I cannot do it all because you have asked me to lead and follow and do and manage a client. And so it's like, which one do you truly want me to do? And the answer often comes back, all of them, right? (laughs) Right? Who can can relate? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who it was that had this client at the bank where we worked, but we worked really closely with him and I'd sit down with him to talk about what his business priorities were. And he'd come with like 10 or 12 things that he wanted. And I'd say, okay, what's the priority here? They're parallel priorities. (laughs) I was like, okay, I don't have like a gazillion people to just jump on this. Right. You do have to prioritize at some point, but you can't do everything all at once. So I feel like we could talk about this forever. This has been a really, really interesting conversation. I thank all of you for being here. I appreciate all of you very much. I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you. Christine, I'll start with you. Terrific. First of all, this was so much fun. (laughs) Have me back anytime, please. It was great having this conversation. Loved it. I'm Christine O'Neill coaching.com is probably the easiest place to find me. O'Neill is O-N-E-I-L-L. Okay, great. Thanks, Christine. Dahlia? Absolutely. This is tremendous amount of fun. So thank you. And great to meet you, Julie and Christine. You can find me at coachdahlia.com and it's D-A-H-L-I-A. So coachdahlia.com. Okay, Julie. Yes. Thank you for such an awesome conversation. This energy, I feel so good coming up for the rest of my day. So thank you, ladies. And you can find me at jbcoaching.com. That's for Julie Breckenfelder. And all the fun places like LinkedIn and Instagram. I will put all the links in the show notes. Again, I appreciate you guys so much. You've all come into my life through all these various connections. You've all enriched my life in so many ways. And I really do appreciate you. You're doing great work out in the world. And I'm proud to know you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Mambo. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, like, and share. I'd love to hear from you. Check out the show notes for my social media and contact information. Until next time, adios.